0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: The NFL news cycle went from a slow drip to a fire hose. In a matter of just mere seconds, it felt like. The last two days have been a whirlwind. Uh, here to help me break it down on the RotoWire Fantasy podcast is zara concept zara Kansabedian from football guys he's a dynasty contributor there coming up next on the rotowire fantasy football podcast hey everybody welcome to rotowire and the rotowire fantasy football podcast i'm jeff erickson here with Zadar Kent from Football Guys, he's a Dynasty contributor there, uh, and also we're in the same Scott Fishbowl Live League down in uh, Orange County about a week and a half ago, almost two weeks ago now. Uh, Zadar, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: I'm honored to be here, Jeff. Like you said, like you said, uh, it's it's a fire hose of uh, news and and camp reports, and I'm kind of. I'm drenched already. I can't even dry myself off yet.
1: I know, I know. Well, especially with this heat that we we, we got right here. Absolutely, it's, yeah. It's crazy. Um. All right. So, so much to talk about. Last yesterday morning, I woke. I, first of all, I stayed up to like 1.30 writing this article, and and I had to get up at early the next day. Woke up at six, and somehow in between those goalposts, huge news broke: with uh, Saquon Barkley ending, not even really a holdout, but just you know, agreeing to terms with the Giants and uh, reporting the first day of camp.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was on a podcast last week and I was, we were talking about Jacobs and Saquon and I was kind of saying that Saquon would sign first, just because when you look at the projection or the trajectory of both teams, the Raiders and, and, and the giants, you see Dable and, you know, he's all business. He's serious about working with the pieces that he has. He's constantly adding new pieces to that team, trying to get it better. Um, you know, you just, when you're serious about winning and, you know, you gotta, you gotta sign Saquon, you know, it, over, when yep. you're talking about Jacob, Jacobs is fine. Jacobs led the, you know league in rush attempts last year but we saw like what does it actually add to the like how many wins does it actually add to a team just because your running back has a lot of rush attempts and he's efficient on the ground like how many wins does it add we saw the Raiders weren't really any better off with you know that kind of running back efficiency um I'm sure I'm sure there are some places that you know that have he probably fit a team that is already in like it on a winning Super Bowl team that like kind of you know, needs that kind of caliber of running back. But right now I don't think the Raiders really need that because they understand their position in the league and just signing somebody to a heavy contract right now, just wouldn't be a, you know, a very business savvy decision, I think. So Saquon, I think for Dable for the giants, for a team looking that, that won a wild card game against the Vikings last year, you know, they're like, okay, we got, you know, we have a possibility here. And, you know, Dable's a smart guy. Dable has Saquon running like the third most, uh, Third most routes among running backs last year. Um, and you know, he targeted Saquon very heavily. I think Saquon was at 20 targets per route run. So, I mean, that's you know, 20% target share per route run is very good for running back. So
1: absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you know, all things start there with him and now new acquisition, Darren Waller. Uh, you know, it, it that's you know, that's where the offense th- flows through. The wide receivers, they're trying to improve there. They they in both in the draft and free agency, but Let's face it; none of those guys are. Jamar Chase isn't walking through that door. Uh they have to try to find uh, what they can. I mean, they got a great find in Hodgins last year, but Barkley's presence frees up those wideouts. I mean, they, they you have to account for Barkley in every sort of formation that they run.
2: Yeah, I agree. I agree with that too. And you know, I also like some of the ancillary pieces that he add. Oh, he added over yeah. there on on the draft. Like, I think Paris Campbell's a good like little uh, yak guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know, they added. They have a wide receiver for every dimension of the passing game, it seems like right now. You know, they have their possession guy. They got Shepard. Then they got Hyatt for their deep uh, deep speed guy. And they got Paris Campbell for like a yak kind of like bubble screen kind yep. of guy. But, yeah, Saquon is a team that – like Saquon is a player that, you know, regardless of the narrative of, of if running backs matter or not, like defenses and coaches still have to plan for him. So, you yeah. know, like you, it, th- that's still irrelevant. You, coaches and defenses aren't going to be worried too much about Matt Breida or Eric Gray or god knows whoever the, I forgot the other running backs on that team but i mean like you, James you Robinson have, James, huge is that where he is now i mean yeah, i just I signed, signed last week and i completely quickly forgot about where James Robinson signed good luck to him good luck to how him how dare you how dare good you good luck to him hopefully he has a Deontay Foreman kind of resurgence i hope it works out
1: meanwhile Josh Jacobs was uh, seen boarding a flight out of vegas uh with a little and you know if people are judging by body language and you know that he was boarding it angrily Uh, I don't know how you can do that, but, uh, nonetheless, uh, uh, resolution doesn't seem at hand here.
2: No, it really doesn't. It kind of feels like shades of Le'Veon Bell when he held out that one year and, you know, was jet I was, was on, he had pictures taken of him on jet skis and on the beaches of Florida and stuff like that. But, uh, I don't know what, I I just don't, I just, it doesn't feel good, but I think ultimately he will sign just because agreed it just honestly this whole running back thing this whole running back scenario where you know they had the big old meeting it kind of feels like i i i guess i'm a fantasy football conspiracy theorist but it kind of feels like again like owners are kind of colluding to like they don't want this to happen like they don't they don't need running backs to get paid they don't want running backs to get paid just kind of like lamar jackson i feel like i my my opinion was lamar jackson kind of like had the owners were like please don't end up paying him please don't end up paying him they ended up paying him anyways but like josh jacobs it doesn't like he's got he's got no real leverage over here so he's gonna have to sign eventually or he's just gonna you know he's just kind of like out on his luck
1: yeah i think so too um and the funny thing is you know last year i, I heard it i was listening to a couple of other uh, shows yesterday and uh i was in the car a lot yesterday and one of the uh, raiders beat writers was actually talking about how he played so hard it, it was a contract year and this is another contract year now well we know there's no reward there's no like there's there's no light at the end of the tunnel here for running backs. There is that you know you're, you're not going to get that uh, that windfall anymore. I think, I I think Todd I, I think Todd Gurley kind of ended that. I think that might be the last windfall contract we see. If ba- if Barkley can't get it, how is Jacobs going to get it?
2: Yeah, I mean that's that's exactly that's exactly kind of like the bar you got to measure by, right? I mean it's just it's just a labor it's just a labor dispute you know and it's just not gonna it's I don't see how running backs can get the leverage unless they you know bring in lawyers or something like that then I I don't know NFLPA unless they really sit down this off this next off I think there might be some there could based off of what happened this this offseason I think there might be some kind of more collaborative effort by the running backs in the league or the NFLPA to come sit down with them and say look we we take out the most punishment, we take the most punishment and we get paid the less. So, I mean, we it, we, it has to make sense here. But, I mean, I I don't know. The, the NFL is a weird, a funny place, the way they pay players and, you know, how quarterbacks get paid, when mm-hmm. they're get, get paid more and more money when they're not even deserving of it. It's a really funny place the way, um, you know, merit is uh, delivered and how people are paid on merit out here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's like seven more years on the collective bargaining agreement. So, I mean, that's the other thing. I mean, and it's a zero something. I mean, that's one of the other problems. Any sort of possible like salary cap hit solution is necessarily taking away from somewhere else. It's taken away from an interior lineman or taken away from a a linebacker. That's not that's not going to solve things. I mean, we got Chris Jones and Nick Bosa still out of camp right now. Uh, you know, it could take away from pass rushes, and pass rushers are definitely still valued—the elite pass rushers.
2: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I even I think I think offensive linemen are even more valuable. In my opinion, I think offensive linemen are more valuable than running backs, just because they are the protection and they mm-hmm. are the core, and everything that happens after the snap is determined on how well the protection is and how well the run blocking is. So, yep. I mean, I I I agree with the gripe of running backs right now, but at the, at the same time, like I understand, like I mean, like I saw a poll on I saw a poll on Twitter that asked. Who's more valuable, Justin Tucker or you know Josh Jacobs? And I was like, oh, man, Josh Justin Tucker's really gotten them out of. I got the Ravens out of some t- tough spots with like 50 yard field goals, 60 yard field goals. You know, like so. Just mm-hmm. it's it's a tough spot for running backs. But again, there something's some going to have to be done, and it's not looking too good right now. And you wonder how many how many kids are going to have their uh, how many players are going to have parents are going to have their kids playing to running backs in like high school.
1: No, well, I agree. I agree. I, I think it's a long-term problem there. So let's talk. one one who, Someone who did get the back, Justin Herbert, got paid yesterday. Um, he's the latest domino to fall. There's still one more left with Joe Burrow, but uh, it, it's not really a surprise that, that Herbert got done. I, I don't even know if this is actionable from our standpoint, it, but it's noteworthy to at least acknowledge that they did it.
2: Yeah, and I think people kind of – you know, dump on the Herbert contract signing, but again, it is, it is, it is the quarterback position. It is the engine of the offense. It is the off engine of putting it points on the board. And Herbert did have a down year last year. He had an insane amount of pass attempts. I mean, everything was fine. Except like, if you look at his stats, he was fine. He was great. Um, only thing that was off, was his yards per attempt, but I think that's right. reflective of who he was throwing to, which was really nobody. We had Mike Williams and Keenan out, Keenan Allen out of different parts of the of different parts of the year. His main target was Austin Eckler. Um, so, I mean, if you look at like his 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 yards per attempt were, were six was six point eight in twenty twenty two, and he still took he still put up 10, 10 wins for the Chargers last year. I mean, if you look at quarterbacks who averaged six point eight yards per attempt, I mean, I I just did exercise just looking at it back to two thousand fifteen, the QBs that averaged six point eight yards per attempt and put up ten wins for their team in the, since two thousand fifteen were Josh Allen, Tom Brady, Eli Manning, Ben Roethlisberger. Cam Newton, Aaron Rodgers, Joe Flacco. You know, and there's like what? There's like eight Super Bowl champions, eight Super Bowl champs, or eight Super Bowl champ titles. Right. You know, on that quarterback, winning quarterbacks on that on that list right there. And I like
1: how you snuck in the elite Joe Flacco there too. I, I like mean, that. I didn't want to, but I had to. I had to. <laughs> yeah, I read right? in the of stand, course.
2: would have found me on Twitter and be like, you you, you held that out on purpose. I'd be like, yes, I do.
1: Exactly. We wanna nobody wants that. I mean, that's like uh angering the Tua fans out there. You just don't do it. I mean it's
2: just, it's you, why it's not worth the time.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'll say this too. I you, you alluded to uh importance of offensive line. They lost their left tackle last year. Uh, a huge pass blocker. Um, and yeah, you, you want to be able to throw deep, you got to be able to protect your quarterback. As a Bengals guy, I know this, you know. I you know, and you spent all the time that's been spent trying to upgrade that offensive line only to see three guys go down in the last two weeks of the regular season, the first round of the playoffs. I mean, you saw the effect of that there in the AFC championship game, and you saw it in the, earlier in the season. Burrow's yards per attempt were down. It's not because he's less good at throwing deep. It's because he had no time.
2: Yeah, exactly. And they really had a good offensive line to start out with um, yep. as a season. But again, you know, in typical Chargers fashion, they kind of like it just start, starts to fall apart really quickly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, yeah, like, and we were talking, and this lose to what we were talking about before the the offensive line offensive linemen offensive tackle guards those guys are very important and you got to prioritize those guys if you really want to you know we saw what kind of like happened to Andrew Luck like they just never got it going with the offensive line he was like you know what I'm done I, it's been a couple of years of this two three years of this I'm just not it's not worth my health and I don't I don't disagree with that kind of stance that a quarterback takes if they like say look my health is more important if you guys aren't prioritizing my protection then why should I be here and you know and um, the chargers are clearly prioritizing that they put on really good pieces around. They put really good pieces at the line in front of Justin Herbert to protect him. So, right. um, you know, it's, it's well, they're building something very good. They brought in a very good offensive coordinator to Kellen Moore. Yep. Um, they just drafted Quentin Johnson with a round with a first round pick. I mean, they're really making a concerted effort to help bolster Justin, uh, Justin Herbert, uh, this year and his future. And, you know, paying him is just another kind of a, of a signal towards that.
1: Yeah, one other bullet point. He also played hurt last year. Got hurt in the second game of the year. Um, and true. I'm sure that contributed a lack of his downfield throws. Nonetheless, that playoff game against Jacksonville where they didn't throw deep, that was on Lombardi, and that's why they fired him. And that's why you see Kellen Moore in there now.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh,
1: and, yeah, so I, I expect good things. I he, He's a top-10 quarterback. He's probably a top-six quarterback. And okay. you know, I, I, he, he got paid accordingly. Uh, no no issues with that. Yeah, Kadarius Tony. Stop me if you've heard this before, but he's hurt. Um, unfortunately he's got, he just had procedure yesterday, uh, dealing with the meniscus issue. He had some ligament issues prior to that. Uh, this is, this is kind of big for the chiefs. You know, Juju is no longer on the team. Tyreek, uh, you're gone. Uh, we, we have an unproven wide receiving core. Obviously I have Travis Kelsey, but someone else has to catch passes on this offense. Is there, first of all, uh, in, in terms of like evaluating the remainder, are you Rashid Rice? Are you more into, some of the other younger players on this wide receiving core. I know you're I'm, a dynasty contributor. Do you like any of these guys?
2: I am. I like them, but I'm not very enthusiastic. I'm very, I'm taking these camp reports and these clips of Rasheed Rice and Sky Moore catching passes with a very, very small grain of salt. Right. I think, you know, when you see a guy like Sky Moore, who was drafted in the second round last year, I believe, Uh, you see a guy like that who does really nothing his first year in the league. It's very scary to kind of like, project him to a, you know, to a bar of, to, to a place of high production the very next year, coming off a year where he did almost nothing. Rasheed Rice, you know, the league the league has, de- has defined him as a deep speed guy, kind of a big body catcher who lacks the nuances of the technician right now. I think he's got a lot to learn. Uh, Patrick Mahomes has commented on um, a pass yesterday at camp where there was a miscommunication between, between he and Rice. And he said that Rice still needs to learn a few things right. about the position in the system. Uh, Kadarius Tony, I actually like coming into the year. I thought he would be a great, you know, if if we're going to for talking fantasy, I thought he would was a great PPR option. I think he's he would be a very close to line of scrimmage target for Patrick Mahomes outside of Travis Kelsey, who occupies more of the intermediate spaces of the field. Um, kind of like he would have been a Tony would have been a souped up Juju Smith Smith Schuster, and Tony's is far, far, far better in space than Juju Smith Schuster was. So I'm, right. I'm approaching this, this team and this wide receiver core with a very small grain of salt. I think it's going to be pretty much similar to what we saw last year with Travis Kelsey being the beneficiary of more targets. And uh, um, if you wanted, you know, I guess you can throw in sky Moore as, you know, just if I'm watching anybody this year, it's going to be sky Moore just because I liked who he was as a product coming as a, as a rookie um, prospect coming out of a uh, college, it was a small school college, but I mean, the, uh, the metrics were all there, but you know, this kind of goes, if we're having the conversation about, what small school means and level of competition, I think it's it's a lot bigger than people make it out to be. Like level of competition is huge, coaching level is huge. How you're coached up, how you're coached up as a defensive back in the SEC versus you know a lower division school is huge. So right. I mean, we have to take that into accountability and the tra- trajectory of Sky Moore's production and career arc in the league. Maybe we see you know maybe year three will be a better year for Sky Moore as far instead of year two. Maybe you can still get Sky more cheap in Dynasty after a year or two because it won't. He won't still be at that level that you want him to be at.
1: And it, and AD Reed's system is notoriously difficult to learn. Uh, you know, Nicole Hartman never really got it. No. Um, you know, and it, I think Rice will take his while. Do you have like? Are you taking any flyers on like Richie James or Justin Ross late? Just a, as a result of this news, perhaps. Yeah, I
2: mean, I, I think I think you can right because they're going nearly undrafted still. I mean, especially. in, right. I mean, in Dynasty, it, it, you can still pay like a third round pick and get, you know, Justin Ross, who is, who is a Dynasty darling and, you know, rightfully so. He had a like really bad, uh, you know, uh, what's called streak of injuries. Right. So, I mean, yeah, take your shots on Richie James. Take your shots on Justin Ross. Richie James, I think more of obviously a, a, a redraft seasonal kind of guy. You don't want to really be picking him up in Dynasty just because of the age. And what is he? He's 28, I think, I believe right now. Right. Right. Uh, but, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, you can take your shots. They're very cheap. It's not going to hurt. For sure. Uh,
1: news item that shocked a lot of people. Jonathan Taylor going on the pup list. Uh, first of all, reporting late, you know, we knew he was kind of grumpy about the whole running back issue, and I don't mean to just dismiss it by just saying running back issue. But, uh, yeah, he he was among those on the concerned running back Zoom call uh, and was, like, I think showed up a little later than most. And it immediately goes on the PUP list after missing a good chunk of last season with that ankle concerned.
2: Um, a little bit, but I mean, it seems like you're leaning more towards the narrative of a contract holdout. Am I hearing that? Is, am no,
1: I, am I... I, I I, mean,
2: I, I think that might be in the background that
1: I thought, you know, it's it's just a, an issue, but I'm more concerned about the PUP list. I'm more concerned about Like, I hope this isn't like, I mean, J.K. Dobbins is in a similar boat too. You know, it's you know, you know he missed a lot of OTAs and minicamp with a soft tissue issue, and then also was complaining about running back compensation. So, you know, it, it's hard to parse. I mean, I think that's it's the lack of certainty. That's that's what's got me.
2: It's it's it could be a confluence of those factors. And you know, right. as far as you know, being on the what the active pup right now, he's he's on the active pup list right now, which means that they have up until the fifty-three man cut day. Uh, to activate him from there. If not, he will go on the reserve pup and be uh, absent for the first four weeks of the season. Um, it's just interesting how these teams kind of put these guys on the active pup right up to the like butt end of, you know, uh, right when training camps are about to start. And you, know, you have to think to yourself, what does that tell you about how teams, or if these guys are actually injured, how, does that, how, how are these teams and these organizations actually viewing the severity of these injuries? You know, Jonathan Taylor, he had a high ankle sprain, I believe. But I mean, did he finished the year. Am I? Am I? Am I just? He finished the year. I believe, right? So, what's the problem here? I, did 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 they hold? I can't. This is the question. No, he, he was out for the last three games. He was out for the last three games. Okay.
1: And and almost the entirety of the fifth uh, of week fifteen as well. Okay, he only had two okay. snaps that game. My
2: mistake about that. So yeah, so maybe no there is some legitimacy to the injury if it was towards the end of the last towards the end of last season. Um, it is a is a bit concerning because it seems like if there if we're just discussing the injury and not contract disputes right here, maybe they're just waiting as long as possible to having to put them on that PUP list. Yeah. And you know, this might be more of a signal towards there being um, some, you know, some weight behind that injury some concern, a little bit of concern towards that injury injury right now. Um, exactly. I am not at all the, I am not a PUP expert guy. I was reading on PUP rules two days before this. Just because I want to understand how active pup works, how reserve pup works, NFI works, injured reserve works. I mean, there's so many, there's so many designations a player can have in regards to injury that you kind of have to parse through the weeds and look at these things individually, these designations individually to understand what they truly mean and understand the magnitude of what it means for the player and the injury. So yeah, JT, I think there's a little bit of concern here.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. He skipped the entire offseason workout program. There is an early July report from Jim Ursay who he's one of those weird owners who has to go out and make injury reports. But he and Jerry Jones, you, know, you have people just let them do it. But whatever. Um, that's a sidebar. Um, I, I, he was he, on like July 11th. There was an update saying, well, he's fully recovered. Well, is he? I don't know. I mean, it doesn't seem like it now. I mean, that that's the thing that's kind of confusing. Uh, are you? Are you holding off and clicking Taylor's name at the end of the first, beginning of the second now because of this in a redraft?
2: I mean, you have to be right. I mean, the first round, yeah. you kind of got to be. You got to wait till he drops till at least, I mean, the back of the second round to, to feel comfortable taking him right now.
1: I agree. I agree. And I already have some exposure to him. I, I you know, I, I, cause I, I was relying on Jim mercy. That's my fault. Shame on me. Uh, but, uh, and another, we did a draft in Vegas during the all-star break cause we wrote wire always has a trip there uh, during that. And I, I did take Taylor at the end of the first and I, I do not like the cone of shame. So we'll see about that one. There. <laughs> um, got a lot more injury uh, and training camp news to discuss, but first got to share a quick note with one of our sponsors, uh, and that is Circa, who we spent that Vegas trip with in Vegas. Uh, great time. They, they, they really cater to fancy football players and, the, and sports gaming uh, people as well. And for, to that end, you can get ready for more millions guaranteed. The biggest pro football contests in Vegas are back and bigger than ever with $14 million in guaranteed prizes only at Circa Sports. Enter in Nevada. Play from anywhere. Two ways to win and no rake. Play Circa Million. Make five picks against the spread each week with 100% payback to players. The grand finale winner takes home $1 million. Last place takes home a $100,000 booby prize. With quarterly and full season payouts, $6 million is guaranteed. You can also join Circus Survivor to select one team each week, straight up, with no repeat selections. If the team loses or ties, you're out, you're eliminated. Each team can only be picked once in a season. Go 20-0 and zero or be the last person standing to win it all eight million dollars are guaranteed 14 million dollars total in guaranteed prizes visit CircusSports.com for details we're also on the blue wire network every rotowire podcast is here's a note from our blue wire sponsors
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed
1: All right, we are back. I'm Jeff Erickson here with uh, Zada's uh, Cantabedian. And you can, ca- or we're just going to call him Z uh, for the rest of this pod. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter. You can read him at Football Guys. He's a dynasty contributor there. Okay, Brock Purdy comes into camp, not on the pop list, ready to go for the Niners. A little bit of a surprise to me, I think. Uh, you know, given the nature of his injury and when he suffered it, um, I thought that he might be slow to start practices.
2: I did too. I, I mean, as you know, reading up on the Tommy John surgery, he didn't have Tommy John surgery, actually, right? Did he? I think he did. He did. So, I mean, reading up on the severity of Tommy John surgery, I mean, from the um, from the medical experts on Twitter, it, it just seemed like a very serious condition. That one would that would that would hopefully have him ready kind of by mid season. So, I was really looking at just kind of like I was just expecting either Sam Darnold or Trey Lance to battle that out in camp, and now Brock Purdy's back. Um, I am very, very curious. I am not part of the Brock Purdy faithful out no. there in the world. I am very curious to see how he sustains as coaches start to figure him out more and how he adapts as a quarterback. Can he, you know, persevere through an entire season as a starting quarterback? I still think Trey Lance would be okay. So I think like Trey Lance, I like, a- for this offense, just because Chey Lance offers an extra dimension of rushing, that is far more, it's it's just better for an offense to have that extra dimension as a rusher. Right. If you right. can, the more, if there, if there are more ways you can keep an offense, a defense on their toes, the better, right? We saw Brock Purdy come in. He was a good system quarterback, right? I don't know, how does Brock Purdy look in a different system? How does Brock Purdy look in kind of like a spread? How does Brock Purdy look as the quarterback of the Chargers? Does he find the same amount of success? right? And I I guess that's an irrelevant question because we are only talking about the Niners here and how he operates as a quarterback within the Niners system and how how good he is at processing different things, different coverages as the league starts to kind of – as the league starts to um, adapt to him and his tendencies as a passer. So we'll see with Purdy. I'm not there yet. There are people out there who will trade a first round rookie dynasty pick for Brock Purdy. I'm totally. definitely not that guy. I maybe wouldn't even trade it. I might trade for a second for him and it's super flexible. So I'm kind of out on Purdy right now. And I'm, I still think Trey Lance deserves a shot for anybody to say that Trey Lance is bad. You have nothing to go on. There's nothing to literally go on to say he's undeserving. Um, that's also, uh, that's also illogical and, and a fallacy to say that because the guys played injured both, both times. So yeah, um, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know. I I'm, don't know. I'm still kind of, I'm still, I'm still in there for Trey Lance this year.
1: Joanna said he's only played eight games, had one of the lowest a dots in the league. It's similar projection to Jimmy G low upside, not a super bowl winner. I tend to agree with that. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll to further your, further your comment. I would say it's a good time to buy low on Trey Lance.
2: I, that's uh, what I'm saying. People are, people are mad at me because I'm uh, pe- people are literally yelling at me on Twitter because I prefer Trey Lance over Brock Purdy.
1: Yeah. Well, people like to yell on Twitter. Or X, as they, they like really do. Oh, or, yeah, but, X. <laughs> I'm going to still call it Twitter. Um, but, yeah, I, 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 I even think, like, in redraft, I still think Lance, like, as a last-round guy is not a bad thing, especially, like, I, I, if you're pretty comfortable with your quarterback room already. If, if you, you, know, you don't have to get – if you have one of the elite quarterbacks, you don't even have to draft a backup quarterback in redraft. Just troll off the waiver wire. But if you do, take a chance on a guy with a high ceiling. Go after like Bryce Young or, or CJ Stroud. Don't get like I'm just trying to think of like a, just an average. Don't get Brock Purdy. I mean your like, no, Mayfield. Yeah, don't don't get like a guy like that as your backup. I mean, you yeah. you can always in a in a redraft league a one quarterback league, you can always find something on the waiver wire. First of all, and secondly, you want upside. You want to you want to be able to have the ability to trade someone who can be a starter for you. Find the next Justin Fields. That way, you have two options. Don't find just an average boring guy that he can't hurt you. You can find that on the waiver wire when you need it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. And we've seen a lot of upheaval in the Niners, you know, for the, at the San Francisco Niners quarterback position over the past years with Kyle Shanahan as a head coach. There's mm-hmm. no reason to say that it's uh, Mr. Relevant, you know, last final pick of the 2022 NFL draft is any safer than any quarterback that's played there before. You know, they're, if, if he can't get it right for, during the first month, if they have a negative, if they have a negative win-loss ratio um, after September or even like mid-October, there's no reason to say that Trey Lance won't start some games. So we'll see how we'll see how Purdy does, especially coming off that surgery. Um, we'll see how he reacts to kind of the throwing mechanics. There's still a lot to be discussed right now. There's still a lot to look at. There's still a lot to be determined in that quarterback room right now
1: for sure. Uh the one guy I think it moves the needle for a little bit might be George Kittle. Uh Kittle did obviously a lot better with Purdy in the second half of the season than in the first. That also might have been because the Niners were able to figure out some more protection schemes to free him up to m- run more routes too. It's possible. Uh but that's something I want to watch a little bit there. Uh Kittle is in that that second or that third tier. If you count Kelsey as his own tier and Andrews as his own tier, then it's the third tier. If you count Andrews as part of the second tier, then I, I you know, I, I think Kittle is at the bottom of that year with Goddard and all those. I still love, I I love Kittle's skills that hasn't dissipated. Health is obviously a concern and usage is the other concern.
2: Yeah. The pass catchers obviously benefit from, I think they would benefit greatly from Purdy over Trey Lance, just because he's more of a, he's more of a pocket quarterback.
0: Yeah,
1: I think so too. All right, let's move on. Uh, A guy that I'm surprised did not end up on the pop list was Javante Williams. Uh, for the Broncos, we had heard reports during the like OTAs and mini camps that he was progressing slowly, that he might not be ready for the start of training camp. Instead, he's been cleared to practice, and now they're gearing for him being ready in Week One.
2: Yeah, sure. I mean, if he if he plays, he plays. And uh, again, I'm 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 really kind of approaching cautiously with the uh, Javante Williams. I'm hearing. From Like, I've I heard from uh camp reporter that I trust a lot that he's he's gonna be he might be active, but he not he definitely won't be 100 to start yeah. the season. Um, so again, I, I mean, he's fine at ADP, I'd have no problem taking what he's going like the seventh round right now, maybe the back of the sixth round. That seems about right. That's fine, taking him there as an RB2, but I wouldn't ex- be expecting just set the bar low as far as expectations. If you have if you're starting Javante Williams during uh you know the first half of the fantasy season, don't expect if if be pleasantly surprised if it happens that he gets rb1 upside but don't expect that just don't come out disappointed when you see javante williams not performing performing at the bar what we've seen is reports of the broncos gonna that, that they're gonna be a very run heavy team this year so,
1: yeah um yeah. I, I think you're probably right about that um you you said something that uh Caught my ear a little bit, and we were talking about running back draft strategies on Monday, just kind of talking about the basics there. You said that he'd be your RB2, so sixth, seventh round. Sounds like to me, like you're either a zero or hero running back type of drafter, more than a robust
2: or double. Yeah, you picked up on that theme, huh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, there, there's very few running backs I take at the uh, back of the second round. I'd probably take Ramondre and Tony Pollard, uh, Brees Hall probably, but uh, outside of that, I, I really, there's it's just very hard for me to, you know to commit to running back in those mid round running backs. It just seems like a losing bet really. Yeah. Um, yeah. I,
1: I waited as long as anybody in fishbowl in our draft to uh, draft running back. So uh, I'm, I might've taken it a, a little bit in extreme, but it's also a super flex draft, which is a whole nother uh, story there, but uh, and multiple, multiple flex spots too. So you could kind of structure your team any way you wanted.
2: Yeah. So, a lot of uh, flexibility.
1: Yeah. I love that as well. Uh, let's move on. Michael Thomas, uh, Full go, start a practice. We've heard this before. It's like, you know, don't pull the rug out from under us again. But are you, would you, uh, would you consider rostering him in redraft this year?
2: Yeah. Again, it all comes down to ADP, right? Don't hit the player, hit the ADP. And his his draft cost right now is relatively low. And if you're looking for a, you know, a cheap wide receiver too, you know, there's, there's your guy. There's Michael Thomas in PPR leagues. He's proven, proven to be very valuable at this point, I think, in his career after all the injuries over the past several years. He's just going to be—he's just going to be a pure re, uh, possession receiver, um, and I think it's going to be still Chris Olave. It might scare a lot of people off Chris Olave, but I think Chris Olave will be the wide receiver one for this team. I think Michael Thomas's time as the apex on this—you know—wide receiver room has come and gone.
1: You know, I, I have Olave on my list to talk about. You drafted him in Fishbowl. Um, mm-hmm. I have him in a dynasty league, and I'm holding on to him for dear life and fending off offers for him left and right. Uh, it's just you know, he, he was a little banged up this offseason. He's got a new quarterback. There's a lot of new variables going on in New Orleans right now.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, too, like last year he had a new quarterback. Last year he had two new quarterbacks. He had yeah. James Winston and he had Andy Dalton throwing the ball to him. So, I mean, he played very – he adapted pretty well to them, uh, to each of them. And uh, quarterback play does matter. I think Derek Carr is better than both Andy Dalton. And, and he – no, so Derek Carr wasn't better than Andy Dalton last year. But, you know, we have to look at the historical kind of like Trends, you know, right. Derek Carr has been better than Andy Dalton over the, over over his career. So we we we're, we're just kind of looking at it. I think we're looking at a quarterback upgrade right now, and uh, I think we just gotta kind of keep it simple and just look at the quarterback upgrade. Look at all, what lobby did last year, and just adjust accordingly when you see the quarterback upgrade, and then take lobby stats and just kind of like raise them up a little bit better, a little bit more.
1: I agree. I agree. Uh, yeah. So the rubber, you know, the question is, what does that mean for us in our uh, in our redraft leagues? Where does that? Where do we go with him? Like, how early are we willing to take him? I, I, I think I'm pretty bullish on Alave. He, he's usually I, I think I usually take him at the beginning of the third, which is where he goes. Um, late from January from July 1st at the NFFC, he's uh, pick 25. Uh, maybe compare that versus other receivers. So after Devontae Smith, right before Higgins, right before Metcalf, where does he fall for you in that range?
2: That's about right for me. Yeah, I think I I, I take him over Devontae Smith. I take okay. him over. uh Man, Metcalf is a hard one to take him over. Metcalf is very difficult. Um, yeah. I could I could take him over Metcalf. I could see more of a target market share going towards Alave, a heavier target market share going towards Alave, just because we get, we are going to have uh, Jackson Smith and in Jigba uh, introduced yep. to the CLC, Seattle Seahawks offense. Uh, Charbonnet might get some you know get some uh, receiving work. Uh, so that's a conversation for another time. I don't want to go too deep down the Seahawks rabbit hole right now. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we, we might have Olave as the uh, more beneficiary of target market share.
1: There's a lot of talented skill position players in Seattle. We'll just leave it at there
2: that. Right yes, it's just perfect. Yeah, you said yes, yeah. yeah,
1: exactly. Um, it, it's about, Yeah, I, I think that's about the right range. Let's, yeah. talk, a, let's talk a little Amari Cooper. Uh, you know, he had a little bit of a setback uh, to start a training camp after like that one day before. They're like, oh, yeah, he, he, no limitations. He's going to be great. He won't be limited training camp. Oh, wait, suffered a, tree, a tweak now. Uh, they didn't really say what it was, but they said it wasn't related to his off season core muscle surgery, you know, Cleveland as a whole, I think they're going to be one of the, the high variance teams this year. You yeah. know, we don't know what we're getting from Deshaun Watson. We're not, we don't know what we're going to get from all these guys. They've added, you know, Elijah Moore, how much of a role he's going to have. Uh, and they're in a really tough division. Uh, it, it, I think they're, they could be an awesome team to watch, or they could be like they were in the second half.
2: I, um, I learned a little bit about the quarterback position from watching the quarterback show on Netflix and watching Kirk cousins, talk about his, uh, his relationship with the new system that was introduced to him with the new head coach. Uh, yep. um, so I, I think, you know, you, you got to kind of take that into consideration when you're talking about Deshaun Watson in a new system who hasn't played for a very long time. I think you have to take the system and learning a system and learning you're it's like learning a new language, really. I mean, you're learning new terminology, you're learning new content, you're learning, uh, you know you're probably learning new timing associated with your footwork there's probably so many nuances that we just don't take into account when trying to understand the quarterback position and performance we saw you know we saw watson play very well throughout his entire career put up fantastic numbers put up qb1 numbers and i still haven't found you know a mechanics-based reason as to why you know i've seen i saw the stats right but that doesn't really talk to why he was bad that doesn't that no one's Offered an interpretation of why he was really bad as a quarterback. They just, you know, look at the stats and say he's bad. But there are a lot of so many, there's so many intangibles that I'm kind of like alluding to that, that are really go, go, go unaccounted for. When you, when you weigh a few games from last season in a new system coming off of so many games missed against his entire career production, what are you going to take? Right. And I'm going to go against that entire career production of what Deshaun Watson has done. We've seen him. We've seen Deshaun Watson in interviews and press conferences talk about what happened in games. He goes in great detail about explaining what happens in games. You know, he'll go into detail about what was wrong with the coverage or the route concept. You know, he's a very smart quarterback. So, right. I mean, I think, and also regarding the offense, I think they're just going to air it out more. You know, I think they're going to be more of a pass happy, happy team. I think we are going to see a change in philosophy in the way they approach uh, the offense this year. I think we're going to see a lot more pass attempts out of, uh, out of Cleveland this year.
1: Yeah. And, and let's face it. Football's already a multi-variable equation. Uh, and Watson had more variables than most newcomers into in jobs. I mean, coming back from the suspension, you know, the weather in Cleveland, when he came back, can't hate a lot of bad weather games. And we know that right. Cleveland in particular is a really tough place for quarterbacks to play back when he was with Houston and he was at the peak of his powers. There was a game against the Browns that people are like, Oh yeah, I'm looking forward to this game. Should be a shootout. And then it was like hyper windy and it was like a, Like it's like a ten to nine game or something of that nature. Mm -hmm. wasn't quite Penn State Iowa bad, but it was pretty bad. Uh, And and, you know, it's just that that's also something you have to account for. I want to see beginning season Watson. I hope he waits till week two to get it together because I I am a Bengals fan. So uh, as alluded to (laughs) earlier there, but uh, nonetheless, uh, it's going to be wild to kind of
2: watch that. Are the Bengals playing the Browns at home or were they playing It's in Cleveland? If I Oof. recall correctly, that's gonna be a tough game for the, that's gonna be a tough game for the Bengals.
1: Yeah, I will double check on that one there. I don't want to spread misinformation there. Wouldn't want to do that. Uh, it is. Yeah, it is in Cleveland uh, for week one. So there you go. Um, should be uh, interesting. Interesting. I think the Browns had a very good offseason. I, I like what the things that they did. Um, so we'll see if it, you know, how quickly they put that together. Before I move on, a couple more news items, uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about Z's uh, Scott Fishbowl team, too, but got a couple more commercial notes to discuss. We're going to go ahead and do that right now. First, from Reality Sports Online, by now, most of you have probably heard of Reality Sports Online, the powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy team like an NFL general manager. But the question is, have you tried it? It's time to go see what all the buzz is in the Dynasty community. Free agency, multi-year contracts, a rookie draft, multi-team trades, franchise tags, contract extensions, first-round rookie options, automated contract and salary cap functionality, and much, much more. Think it sounds complicated? It's not. The best thing about Reality Sports Online Fantasy Front Office is that it doesn't take any more time than a standard league. It just requires more strategy. Think you're among the fantasy elite? Well, this is the platform to test your mettle. you still not sure? You can test out your general manager's skills for free in a mock-free agency auction. If you like what you see, use the promo code ROTOWIRE to receive a 10% discount on your team or league today. Fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com. This podcast is also, also brought to you from the good folks from Fantrax. For you fantasy football players out there, is there something you wish your fantasy league had or features that are missing from your current leagues? Bonus scoring, custom schedules, or playoffs, Deeper team settings? Well, look no further because we have you covered with our friends at Fantrax. Fantrax is the most customizable fantasy platform in the industry, offering the greatest fantasy experience for your dynasty, keeper, redraft, and best ball leagues. Create or join a fantasy football commissioner league, invite your friends, and dominate your draft this season. Fantrax is the top dynasty fantasy football platform in the industry. Are you coming from another service? Not a problem. Fantrax can easily import any of your current leagues and rosters and customize if needed. If you ever have a trade go wrong or make making a mistake in dropping a player Fantrax commissioner tools, allow you to undo any move with one simple click. If there is anything lacking your current fantasy league manager, Fantrax likely has it. Fantrax is running a special promotion. You don't want to miss sign up for free at Fantrax.com slash to enter for your chance to win tickets to any regular season NFL game for you or your entire league, plus six thousand dollars in spending cash. That's right. Tickets for your entire league plus spending cash. Simply create a new league or bring your over your existing leagues for more chances to win. Simply go to fantrax.com slash rotawire and sign up today. Fantrax, the home of fantasy sports. Welcome back to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Jeff Erickson here with the Zara Zara Kansabedian from football guys is the Dynasty contributor here. You know, a big dynasty question is putting a real value on Kyle Pitts. Really difficult season last year, but we've all heard generational prospect at tight end. Thousand yards in his rookie season. But Arthur Smith is the head coach. They've got an unknown at Desmond Ritter at quarterback. He's coming off a big injury. A lot of question marks here with Kyle Pitts.
2: I, I am enthusiastic about the Falcons offense. I like them as the actually the people that win. Uh, the you're on that
1: mute, win. by the way, Z. Yeah. Um,
2: I'm on mute. Nope. Keep talking. Go- keep talking. I must be
1: having some issues.
2: Go ahead. Um, no, I'm enthusiastic about the. Uh, I'm enthusiastic about the Falcons' offense this year. I have them as the team to win the NFC South. Um, I think that I, I. I watched all of Ritter's games last uh, from last year. Last week, I watched all of his all of his games played. I watched every single throw he made. What I saw from Ritter was a quarterback who's a good decision maker who doesn't force passes into areas of the field that he knows he should have shouldn't shouldn't be doing uh, he's a quarterback that goes through his progressions if he doesn't see it if he sees something he's not comfortable with he'll check it down if he can't check it down he'll scramble and Desmond Ritter is an underrated athlete he can gain he can gain some yards on his feet I like Ritter this year I think we're gonna I think they the Falcons are in good hands uh, I think they have a, a good game manager right now in Ritter. I do like Pitts. I think um, I think Arthur Smith is going to get. I think bringing Jonah Smith was good for Kyle Pitts because I agree. Kyle Pitts, yeah, right. So Kyle Pitts can now s- serve as more of a traditional wide receiver, lining up outside or in the slot, while Jonah s- Smith lines up uh, in line as a traditional tight end. Which I think is also kind of sneaky value for Jonah Smith. I've been thinking about this for the past couple of days. We've been thinking a lot about Kyle Pitts out out wide, and you know, we've been we he has a label of a tight end, but I think he'll be running a lot more receiver routes. And Jonah Smith will be lined up a lot in line as her tr- traditional inline tight end. And Arthur Smith, Arthur, Arthur Smith likes to get Jonah Smith in specific packages. But um, I think I think this offense is in really good hands with Ritter with Arthur Arthur Smith. They have the number they had the number one run blocking line from uh, per PFF uh, last year. So I mean, they they Arthur Smith is a really good coach. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of good things come out of the Falcons this year. I think uh, Ritter's value is going to go up in Dynasty this year. I'm a fan of Ritter. Ritter, You know, Ritter, he's very good. I I, I mentioned that he's very good as a decision maker, but he's also very good as a creator outside of the pocket. When he has to scramble, when he has to scramble out to the flats, when he's rolling out on play action boots, accurate guy. He can throw kind of across his body to the center of the field, make very good throws. I'm very excited for the Falcons this year.
1: Yeah, uh, and they have a big three now. I mean, they have Bijan, they have Drake London, they have Pitts. I mean that that's a lot of skill. Now it's just a question of like converting that all into production at the same time, but it could be it could be a dynamic offense, really quick.
2: Yeah, I I agree and you know it's going to again like we were talking about with Saquon, Saquon Barkley, defenses are going to have to plan for Bijan Robinson. Tyler Algier was great last year. I was a big fan of T- Tyler Algier last year. He was actually he actually his name came up on a lot of efficiency metrics I've researched this year. Yeah. Um but I don't think defenses are going to give them the both amount of both Bijan Robinson and Tyler Algier, the same amount of consideration when you have Bijan John Robinson back there, you're gonna have a lot of defenses playing with more stack boxes, creating more room in the intermediate levels of the field. You're going to see a lot more mismatches with Kyle Pitts on linebackers. So, I mean, it's, it's just going to be a fantastic year, I think, for uh, for Pitts owners. I think they're probably going to see some uh, some fruit uh, fruit be uh, fruit bear this year for in fantasy.
1: For sure. By the way, you mentioned the quarterback on Netflix. I'm just starting that. I'm only one episode in, and it it looks really good. Uh, but I'm curious to see how they handle Mariota in the second half of the season there. So we'll see about that. But uh, yeah, looking forward to that. Yeah, it is unfortunate. You ended up with Bijan, by the way, in uh, Scott Fishbowl. Um, you you get a lot. I mean, you got the Robinsons. You got both Bijan and Brian. Um, and I I mean, I'm looking at your roster, and it looks like it's it's a fun roster. There's a lot yeah. of young upside type of guys on that roster.
2: There are. Yeah. So, I mean, if anybody is for anybody that can't see it, I went from, I went fields, Robinson and Richardson, Anthony Richardson, my first three picks. And then I just went with value. At, I just went with value at wide receiver, just because I never had any good value at running back, which mm-hmm. I was planning to go towards and lean towards just because you get 0. 0.25 per carry in this format, but right. the value was just never there. Like I just never liked who I saw a running back. So I just kept going on, kept going for uh, wide receivers who were, you know, wide receiver ones for the team who should be the first read through any progression on most plays. Um, You know, wide receivers are devalued a little bit, but I mean, point per reception, point per reception per first down, you know, it's, there still is value. It's not that bad of a position to be drafting. And then I had to go more towards Brian Robinson and finally start attacking the quarterback. Once I filled up with like seven receivers in a row.
1: I, I did I went two quarterbacks four receivers to start, so uh, yeah. v- very similar. Uh, you know, you had Bijan at least early on. I didn't have that. Uh, yeah. but besides that i I felt very uh I, I, I felt this kind of the same way that I could get some running backs later. Um, you got Mike Evans super late, and I was like, yeah, number one receiver on a bad team. still he's gonna get his targets. Yeah. I mean, um uh, I, I was gonna go five if he was there for me, um that I just oh. missed out on that. So uh, I would have gone with him as well. Um, you know, we were talking Darren Waller earlier, you got him and it's tight end boosted scoring. So you got to like that.
2: Yeah. They're going to, I just read some training camp reports that Daniel Jones is hitting Darren Waller in the end zone. Like often (coughs) he was just hitting him so much this morning, in the end zone today. So, I mean, I'm very enthusiastic. That's very encouraging to hear. Um, yeah, I also got Christian Watson, who I I think I'm like one of the few people out there who still love Christian Watson. Uh, he's going to be the number one wide receiver on his team, highly athletic player, uh, we saw we saw the uh, we saw uh, the Packers package a lot of say that 10 times fast. Mm-hmm. So the Packers package a lot of plays for him, create a lot of package plays for him, use him up in different schemes out of the backfield. Um, you know, get him in space versus zone coverage a lot uh, running across the middle of the field. I like I like Johan Dotson a lot. Got Johan Dotson. Um, yeah, he just took a bunch of shots at tight end. I took a. Uh, but Jelani Woods, who's a very high upside, he's got a lot of upside. uh if he hits, he hits. I took him late. I took Trey McBride. If Zach Ertz can't go, Trey McBride's gonna be an absolute steal uh in, in this format for it, it, it rewards the tight end position very generously in this format. And then I also took Hayden Hurst, who's you know, I think I perceive him in most of the uh, you know, consensus perceives Hayden Hurst as a kind of a floor tight end, a solid option, you know, maybe yeah, back end sure. tight end Yeah.
1: I, you know i i like what Hurst did with the bengals last year um uh, you know he did more late too i mean he came back from an injury uh after that but i mean that buffalo game he was huge uh in the playoffs there so you know you can see where he, he could have a lot of value there uh you even got you know you have richardson to go along with woods you got a little mini stack there you'd like to have some correlation because there's an overall contest too yeah. Um, uh, let, let's talk a little anthony richardson though you know you you great i think you Went perceived to be a little bit early, I think third round, if I recall correctly. Uh And it, it, it kind of put your foot down saying, I'm going to go ahead and take this guy.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think you alluded to the significance of second, the QB two in a super flex format. And when you're looking at the rest of the, when I was looking at the rest of the QBs that were candidates for my QBT roster spot, I didn't see any rushing dimension, any major rushing upside to, or major like a rush attempt carries you know, with the rest of the quarterbacks in the field that were left available. And Anthony Richardson, I think everybody's, you know, looking at, you know, the coaching staff over there and what they did with Jalen Hurts during Jalen Hurts' first year and how Jalen Hurts pretty much buoyed his entire – he buoyed his uh, status as a QB1 through his rushing, even when he was throwing to, like, Quez Watkins and, like, rookie right. year Devontae Smith, right? So, like, we're going to have Anthony Richardson in that same kind of light. We're going to have him in that same kind of offense. He's going to be having a lot of rush attempts, and I was, like, saying, okay, if I'm not going to have – if I, I took Anthony Richardson at the beginning of the third round reversal, right, and you have to take into consideration what's going to be available to you when you when when it comes back to you when you want that right. QB2, and I was saying, okay, if I'm not going to get a run, if I don't like any of the running backs here, if I don't like any of the quarterbacks, let me get a quarterback who has a lot of rushing upside, so I can knock out two birds with one stone and don't have to worry about kind of, you know, it, it helped me, it helped alleviate the pressure of uh, not drafting a running back later on in the right uh, in, the, in the in the intermediate parts of the draft
1: exactly exactly yeah. and you know I, I i like the strategy i think it worked out pretty well i like what i like the build i mean you've got the fastest quarterback room in the in the league by with fields and richardson there <laughs> i mean that's for sure yeah i mean i love fields this year too i mean yeah i, I like that i like what the bears did around fields as yeah. opposed to last year when we knew he was kind of left kind of like wait you got to wait one more year kid before we get this all set up dj Moore pairing with them there, you know drafting yeah. a first round offensive lineman you know they did a lot of things i thought they did right there
2: yeah, I, I agree. And DJ Moore, this is the only this is the only league I have DJ Moore in. And again, you have to like look at you have to take players that you normally hate and kind of install them into the scoring format of whatever league you're playing and saying, okay, I got to release my biases and see look look at the reward over here. And you know, DJ Moore is probably going to get a lot of first time receptions. DJ Moore is going to be the top target on the team. So I mean, why not take the team's number one wide, wide receiver in, in a in a guy like DJ Moore, he's an athletic guy, skilled guy.
1: Breaking news happened during this podcast. Cole Komet got a fifty-year, $50 million four-year contract, $32 million guaranteed, as Joanna says, but why? Um, I think germane to our conversation about running back value. Cole Komet can get paid. Dawson Knox can get paid. But yet, we, we can't get these multi-year deals here for uh, some of these top running backs, for Josh Jacobs. Uh, yeah, I can see why why running backs are ticked off.
2: Yeah, that's just crazy. What's happening right now, man? I mean, Coke, what I mean, Coke, I guess they really value his blocking. I mean, <laughs> he was a good blocker last year. That's all I can really say about him. He had a couple. I mean, blew I kind of games. like him.
1: I think huh? he came on the second half. I think he has some receiving skills, but. Yeah, he's, he, he's tied in 10, tied in 12 in real life.
2: Let's yeah. Like, and probably what we're doing right now is conflating fantasy perception and with actual football coaching value right. perception. And, you know, I think I think they probably value him in a different way, much higher than we value him in fantasy. So I think we're probably conflating it, too.
1: Of course. And it but it yeah. just speaks to the value of that position versus running backs and just how the, how they're treated. I mean, it just it is it just what yeah. it's what it is. Yeah. You know. For better or worse, that's what the way it is. In our it's sense exactly. of fairness, our comparison. I mean, we also see like running backs are a glamour position. We see it more. We see what they do on every single play. Whereas yeah. sometimes you know, linemen, tight ends. We, you know, certainly linemen. Most many people don't see it. Yeah. I don't have the most trained eye for that. I, I I rely on reputational reports. I mean, you can see that in certain cases. You can read certain stats, but for the most part, it's harder for the average fan to notice that.
2: Yeah, no, I agree. It's, it's it's almost it's so hard to determine how much how many more wins, uh, good blocking offers a team over you know like rush attempts or you know running sure. performance. Yeah,
1: absolutely. All right, uh, there are uh, a million other things we could talk about, but unfortunately, the man won't let us. Uh, we have to you know, sign off here, but uh, you can check out uh, obviously check out uh, more of what we have to offer at RotoWire, more at uh, Z and uh, his f- buddies at Football Guys have to offer as well. Uh, you can check out our free trial at RotoWire at RotoWire.com slash pod. If you do that now, uh, and there's no credit card required. We will also contribute a dollar to Fantasy Cares for every free trial. So, uh, as both uh, Scott Fishbowl pers- participants, Fantasy Cares is the organization that Scott Fish uh, is doing all this work for. Uh, it's a great organization, I like to go out and they buy Christmas presents for underprivileged children, things of that nature. It, it's, it's a great charity. So, RotoWire.com slash pod for that free trial. Every person that does it gets gets contributes one dollar you know, or has us contribute one dollar. So appreciate all, all that for that Z awesome stuff talking with you. Uh, thank you for coming on board. Good luck this season. And uh, hopefully play each other just once this year.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a fun season. We have a lot of sharp guys in our league. We're, I'm looking forward to it. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Super fun draft. Super great people check.
1: Do Scott fishbowl next year. Follow along, follow the hashtag. Thanks, everybody, for listening today to the Rotowar Fantasy F- Football Podcast. Uh, we'll be back at you with another pod tomorrow, every day of the week. We've got some some material coming out for you. Thanks for listening. Take care.